You're listening to Incredibles with Jasmine Arch and Damon J. Clay. We're going to move on from poetry now. I'd like to have you read your next poem. But I, I was just thinking, Bex, since, since we've mentioned unintended poetry, that, that we should have someone read out one of their unintended poems. And, you know, I don't want you to, I don't want you to strain your voice today. Uh, <laughs> and, you mean you don't want to make me run away screaming in nerves so, because I'm having to read something I haven't practiced? Well, the knows which poem he wants, so just say it, Jay. I, I, want, I want the food porn poem. You read your next poem, Bex, and then Jazz can read her report. Sacrifice. My husband kicked me out of the house. I don't blame him. If things were the other way around, I'd kick him out too. It's boring outside, with only my dying phone for company. The pups don't like rain. If the weather gets worse, I will strip. Wet clothes are uncomfortable, and it's too hot for reindeer. This is marriage, giving things up for your partner, including the roof over your head when there's a drought and you are the rain magnet. I love that one. Again, it, it just shows the, the, the quirky sense of humor that you have in your poetry. Uh, I think it's great. The, the funny thing is that this is about the only one of my poems that I've never had to redraft. You didn't? Wow. I wrote this one and I considered it trash because I just thought it was, you know, it was just a joke to me. And Jay gave me a couple edits and I made some changes and that was that. This is the only poem that I've never had to redraft. Wow. But I think but I think it's the practice of all the other redrafting that I had done automatically writing this one to some extent I had redrafted it and synthesized it in my head. Yeah, probably. Because yeah. I was lying outside in the rain when I was doing it. I think those those kind of poems do happen. You, you sometimes get poems which, which almost feel like they've written themselves. They take almost zero effort, and you look at the page, and, and you've got something good. Yeah, but they're one in a hundred, if that. This is you know, true. They may be one, one in 200, one in 300. They're not something to count on. And, and you really, you need somebody else to tell you, yeah, that's actually one of those few. You shouldn't yeah. believe yourself. Never believe yeah. yourself on that. Whenever someone tells me that, I still feel sort of suspicious. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to know it's not just me that, that, that still has a little voice in her head saying, he's just being nice to me because he knows I'm going to get pissed off if he says this. <laughs> or he well, knows I'm having either, a bad day. It's either that or the, the other niggling thought that comes up is, shit, it's so bad, it's not even worth redrafting. Yes. Um, I do have a couple of those. I do have a couple of those. My last, my last spell of, of things I've been drafting at one point, I gave him a, a file with several drafts in it and he, you know, to ask him which ones are worth doing. And, and it was, you know, he'd take this one, this one, and this one. They're the ones that are worth, worth redrafting right now. That's the way it is with poetry. Not everything that you draft the first time is going to be worth. You know, it's good. You got it out of your system. You know, you, you got out whatever you needed to get out. But they're not always worth trying to take to that final print level. I, I think if you sit down and say, I'm going to write a poem and it's going to do this and it's going to have this impact, I think most of the time that's going to break down for you because you're forcing it. Whereas when you do it through, through the process and it comes out on its own, it has a different life 
it's not forced it's natural i think that's true our subconscious knows this stuff better than our conscious mind does and by going through the process you you allow your subconscious to bubble to the surface which you can't do intentionally by sitting down and saying i'm going to do this also because you get so tired of trying to find new ways of saying things that you just let out the most ridiculous ones that you had been telling yourself weren't good enough well now look it's it's uh we're recording and it's 10 a.m my time and i've not had breakfast so i really need some food porn okay here goes food porn we have bread vending machines everywhere fresh bread at all hours of day or night and it's good not a factory sponge apparently one only finds this in belgium we have great beer excellent chocolate and despite popular belief we invented fries not the french there are little rural villages three streets and a bar feels like the middle of nowhere also worth trying homemade nutella hazelnuts and pure cacao powder in a blender i never quite know how much an ounce is like the logical world we think in metric more coconut makes it sweeter it's a matter of taste preference really it's almost better than sex safi is asleep so it's safe that's brilliant i love that poem i have to say yeah but i think people are wondering who surfy is now okay (laughs) (laughs) the inklings no but if we have other listeners they're they're going to be scratching their heads thinking who's surfy well well surfy is a a young writer um who's on incubator but when I, i think when jazz wrote that he was probably 15 so we we tended not to try and say rude things in front of him um and since the poem was born uh during a conversation on the incubator um yeah we we tended we we included it jay included it because he's the one who saw it for what it was and put it together and i still love it absolutely love it and i have to say again thank you for the amazing poems you've given us this way jay Actually, you know, I'm I'm convinced that people say things all throughout life, but especially on Discord, that are amazing. And I, I don't think they see the, the power of their own words and how easily that translates into great poems that are, that are uh, memorable. I really, I really doubt that I'm the only poet that we have today that was partly started because of seeing the unintendants, because of, because of what you brought out of, of me in those unintended poems that helped me find the strength to start writing poems again. I really doubt I'm the only one who has that. I, I still think that I should have joined Jazz on the hosting side and we should be interviewing you on all this stuff. <laughs> well, I barely write poetry we'll these get days. To that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. As long as it's Jay we're turning the tables on, I'm all good. One thing that does strike me as I look back at the list of my um, unintended poems is that I seem to talk about food a lot. <laughs> well, you did come to us as a food blogger. Yeah, that's true. I have like three in the list of how many? One, two, seven. So that's almost half. 
food. <laughs> but probably also because I quite like food. And so I was more likely to spot those conversations. <laughs> I did like the one about my phone's Freudian slip too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are a lot of good ones. I, I'll tell you what, um, as, a, as a, a bonus to our listeners, if you, if you listen into the next episode, we'll, do, we'll make sure we, we, we get Jazz to read that one out. <laughs> That's a deal. Good, good for poetry. Bex, you also write fiction. Uh, would you like to tell us a bit about that? Well, fiction I write more intentionally. It's a little bit different than when I write poetry, since poetry seems to come out on its own. I mean, I have fiction that 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 does that, that that insists on being written. Um, but but fiction is more of a conscious process for me, where the poetry seems to to force its way out, then become conscious. The fiction tends to be a little bit more conscious for me. I've had, I've had one story published in professionally, and I've had one that should be coming out. Actually, it came out this month in Frostfire Worlds, which is another Alban Lake publication. I write a little bit of everything. Um, I, I like fantasy and science fiction. I do read a good bit of that. I read a lot of cozy mysteries, but I've never actually finished one, writing one. That was when I had started 10 years ago. I have one that 10, 12 years ago, I started one. But a lot of my stories are a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and they just kind of wander all over the place. More, more literary bent, because I'm very character-driven. If you hand me a story and it has no character arc, I'm probably going to grump at you. If you hand me a book and it doesn't have a character arc, I'm really going to grump at you. <laughs> Unless it means... With, with exceptions for genre, because to some extent... Things like a cozy mystery, if they have the full plot char- the full plot arc, it doesn't really matter whether the character is significantly changed by the experience or not. They have to be, there has to be something to replace the character arc. Yeah. I, I also, I, I, like, I like the challenges of Flash and the challenges of Micro. I, I enjoy the, which is odd because I don't, it's not something I usually read or I didn't use to usually read. But I really enjoy the challenge of trying to pack an entire story into not so many words. So a lot of my stuff has ended up in the, in the 1,500, 2,000 word range. Then I have other stories where I struggled to keep it to 5,500. With the flash writing, and I guess also with the poetry, how do you find that informs your longer works? The biggest thing is it teaches you the value that every word has. And how much meaning you can pack into one word. Because when you're trying to write a story in 50 words, because I've done a number of 50-word microfictions, but when you're trying to write a story in 50 words, every single word of those 50 words has to pack a punch. You cannot have a throwaway word. And when you take that and you start doing longer work, and when you start even just editing other people's longer work, you start looking to make sure everything is relevant. You start cutting out the fluff. You cut out the side, some of the side stuff that doesn't really contribute because you're so used to, to streamlining it. And with poetry, it's the same because every word matters in poetry. You don't put a word in a poem just to fill a hole. I mean, yeah, you might if you're doing form poetry and you have a rhythm. You might almost stick in a word. But in generally, every word has to pack a punch. And when you start thinking about it that way, and you do longer works, 
you think about it the same way that, that yes, you need the voice. You have some flexibility in terms of voice. There's more voice in a longer work than there is in a shorter work in some ways, because you can use words a little bit differently. You can be wordy, but at the same time, everything you say has to be relevant to the story. You, you can't spend two pages sidetracking on what your character had for breakfast unless it really matters. And I think that's one of the things that you learn with both ways. I mean, po po poetry teaches you to put your words together in a beautiful way and to make words that impact. And when you start unpacking your abstracts and keep getting told over and over again, you need to unpack that. You really learn to show, not tell. And you learn with the poetry how to use the voice of the persona, how what words you choose, what similes you choose, what imagery you choose, how that paints the persona, how that creates the character that is the, the teller of the story, the teller of the poem, the teller of the story. And when that applies to prose as well. And I think that they strengthen each other very, very much. And I think that the more short you do, the cleaner your long works are. Because you get the subconscious thing that's saying, yeah, this is nice, but does it really add to my character or do I just think it's fun? I think one of the reasons poetry is becoming a little bit more popular around ink is because of the success, you know, our members are having with it, getting it published and, and so on. But I think that is the added side benefit that doing poetry and, and you know, getting, getting to grips with it Really, really, really does inform on, um, the, the, the prose side of things. I saw a quote on Twitter the other day. I don't remember who the original person was, but it was retweeted by C.C. Finley from Fantasy and Science Fiction that said something to the effect that, that if you want to improve your prose, work on poetry. And I think that, that that's really part of what's seeping through to ink now, is that a lot of our writers are realizing that that we're getting better. Those of us that are doing the poetry are getting better. And if they try it, I mean, what's the harm? It doesn't take as much to do a poem as it does to do a novel, but it works. Yeah, you, you, you've just got to be willing to um, put up with the work developing your poetry and probably a lot of me saying, do this, do that. <laughs> More drafts, says the bear. More drafts. Unpack. <laughs> Stop being so abstract. Don't use cliches. <laughs> um, fantastic. So, Bex, everybody around the incubator knows you're a fantastic editor. I mean, you are... So I'm told. Well, no, you are... I'm the, told I'm a fantastic editor. You are... The, the, I've told them you're a fantastic editor, but you are the person we all turn to for the final verdict, really. I mean, we have to admit that. Um... So, well, not everybody, because I've barely been critting lately, but that's a different topic. Well, well, certainly, certainly me, um, and I know um, Andrew and Jazz feel the same about that. But yes, we do. From your position, what are some of your biggest bugbears that you see in people's writing? And and you know, let, let's talk about develop, the, the writing of developing writers. A lack of character arc. That that's one big thing because a lot of times. A lot of newer writers end up writing what I would call a vignette, a vignette, however you pronounce it properly, um, where it's not really a story. It's just a little scene and it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't feel whole. So the one thing is to make sure your story feels like a story. 
that there's some kind of growth or some kind of change in your character or your character is getting pushed on by all these outside forces where your character ought to change and doesn't. The other thing is to be stable with POV, with point of view. Uh, it, it, it's difficult. It's tempting a lot of times to, to, to add this line that this thing is going on your person doesn't know. But those little breaks can really mess up a story for someone. And the question is, do you need it? I know that a lot of suspense things do actually, to some extent, need an omniscient narrator. But a lot of the times, there's a whole lot of better ways to do it. So, so it's better to try to, 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 to do it within a stable POV, and then only break it if you really have to. And I would say, if I want to name three things, the third thing is probably that some writers take rules as a challenge in that they're challenged by how they can ignore them and this doesn't apply to me but you should only break a rule if the story doesn't work if you don't break a rule if the best way to tell the story is to throw this rule out the window okay throw the rule out the window but try to stay within the rule first and only break it when you can't stay there there often seems to be a kind of objection in, in um, developing writers. Sometimes they'll, they'll, they, they just want to ignore a rule because they want to ignore it, not because they want to make the story better. Exactly. It, it's it's the, the, the idea of I'm writing experimental literature, so I'm going to go out and write a second story, a second person POV story just because I'm going to be experimental, as opposed to this story has to be told in second person because of something. That, that there's some reason that this story is stronger in second person. Instead of just saying, I want to do this because I want to be experimental. Learn the rules. Understand the rules. Learn how to use them to your advantage. Only then can you truly understand when it's effective to break them. So let's say someone has just developed an interest in, in the writing craft and, and wants to start, start taking it very seriously. What advice would you give them? Get a good writer's group. You want a writer's group where they are not going to baby you and say, oh, everything is perfect. You need somebody to tell you where it sucks. You need someone you can trust that you can give them your work and you know that they're going to be honest with you and say, okay, this part works and this part doesn't. And you know they're going to be honest with you and say, you know what, this story, you can do better than this. Because if you're not improving, what's the point? If, if you're writing for yourself... That's fine. Write for yourself, put it in your journal, whatever. But if you're writing because you want to, you want your writing to be communication. If you want to communicate, you need somebody on the other side. Yeah, it's only communication only works if there's two. So for writing in general, you've got to care about what the reader thinks because the reader is the other half of your communication. Until you have a reader, all you have are words on a page. When you have a reader, it takes life. Your story comes alive and it becomes something more. And you have to care about what impact you're having on a reader. And the best way to learn that is by working with people who read it. So you, there's things you can do yourself. Yeah, you can study all the craft books. You can do all these kinds of things. But when it really gets down to it, you need a writer's group or at least reader of, a group of readers that you can trust that are actually have a clue what's going on who are going to tell you you can do this better and help you do that. Because I would say, I mean, at least what I found with Ink. You guys bring out the best in me, whether it's the best editor in me or the best writer in me. You bring that out because I keep having to improve on both sides of the table. And that's really where, where the chance is to become a good writer.
if you just sit there and you just write and you write and you write, you're never going to, you're just going to get a lot of bad habits. You're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again because you don't, it's not working. And as soon as you start getting that little voice in your head, that somebody else's little voice that says, you know what? I think you're making coffee here because you got a lot of filters going on. <laughs> to quote jazz or 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 to quote our favorite zombie maybe it's like you need a better first line there's no hook or where's the reaction and when you have these voices in your head and you start synthesizing them with your own internal editor things just starting coming out so much better i mean it's like with my poetry i don't have my poems are not filled with abstracts anymore if you look at 42, there's still some abstractions in there. And I can't go back and edit them away because of the form. We, we looked at it. We talked about it. Could I go back and improve 42? Maybe I could go back and improve 42, but it would break the form of 42. And I didn't want to do that. But, but when you start learning all this stuff, your drafting gets so much better. And you need fewer redos. Because you start digging into it automatically. Your first draft comes out a little bit better. Let's consider that an invite to anyone who's listening to come and join the incubator. Um, yes, please give me more reading material. I'm, I hope I am soon <laughs> recovering from my from from my everything going on, um, both physically and emotionally, and getting back to actually critting things. And and seriously, you learn you learn not just from seeing your own mistakes. You learn from seeing other people making the same mistakes you make. You don't realize how bad that filter is until you read 20 things that have a similar filter and you realize how much is pushing you out of the story. That is so true. Um, the most important thing, which you just said about improving your writing, is that if you join a critique group, you don't only find people to read your work. You will start reading other people's work. You will start critiquing other people's work. And that teaches you more than any amount of people critiquing your work ever will. You also need to be prepared for your reading experience never to be the same again. Yeah. Because yes, you, you, you hit a point where you can't turn it off. The more, the more you edit, the, hard, the more you, you've edited things, the harder it is to turn it off. And I can't turn it off when I read anymore. I can get to a point where I say, okay, this is just going to be this way and there's no point thinking about it anymore. But I never get to a point where I'm saying, okay, these dialogue tags and, and talking heads in a vacuum is okay. I never get to that point. I still miss the character. S sad to say we're reaching the end of the show. I could go on yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I'm sure that at this point, everybody's getting bored of listening to Bex. Oh, I don't think we could ever get bored of that. But we're definitely going to have to have you back again in the future to, to, do, this, to do this another time. Um, I would love to come back another time and do more talk about the editing side of things because this has been more about the poetry and I'd love to come back and talk more about the editing. But um, let's, I think it's time. Let's, let's have the competition winning piece. Um, I did not win. I took second place. No, very, a, very important to stress. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a win. It's a, to, 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 okay. to, to get anywhere but in a competition I, is a I win. I still think it's important to say that someone else has placed higher than I have. I have taken second place. And it's the Balticon Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention that's held Memorial Day weekend in the United States in Baltimore. And I was invited to go and read there. But unfortunately, with my health and with my dog being not trained to full traveling service dog levels, I wasn't able to go. So you guys get to hear me read instead of Balticon. So isn't that wonderful? Don't you feel special? It's fantastic. Loving a Spaceman. When I was young, I loved a Spaceman. He papered my ceiling with satellites and space stations, 
solar flares, and wormholes. I'd fall asleep under his stars, dreaming of zero gravity. I wanted more, so he beamed me aboard, his space cruiser, and we set sail across the universe. We toured world after world like cosmic vagrants. He introduced me to his friends, Isaac, Orson, Larry, and Philip. But his rules were stricter than his robots, and my earthly needs too alien. My tears shorted his probability drive. I left him adrift off Venus and fled back to Earth. Years later, I gaze at Orion and look for spaceman trails. Did he find a spacewoman to help log the stars while the ship scooped matter between galaxies? Or maybe his dreams changed, like mine, and he settled down with a nice Martian girl on a Jovian moon. The night is cold, so I return to bed beside my Earthman. Books are my transporter to visit new worlds without leaving home. Absolutely fantastic, and very, very deserved to, to get a place in that competition, I must say. The only thing I'm sad about with that competition is that I know that some of my incubator friends also entered it, and I would have loved to have shared the finals list with them. Bex, and that didn't happen. the people you worry about. Listen to me, and as we say in Belgium... Tie it to your ears. What would, what would, <laughs> what, I know. Not the new Tie it to your ears. Um, it was an honor to lose to you, darling. But I, I think I think also it's a sign of how marvelous our group really is today. That that those of you who who did enter the same competition and who didn't appear on the finalist list have been nothing but happy for me. And, and when the time comes that that you're the ones that are up there and I'm the one in the back because I know that day is coming really really soon. I mean, it already happened with one thing where you've gotten acceptance and I didn't. Um, I'm as happy for you as you guys are for me. So I think it's really a sign of how great our writers group is, is that you need to surround yourself with writers that are going to be happy for you when you succeed and not people who are going to want to break you down because you made it and they didn't. I just like the chat room. Yeah, when you put a bunch of writers together, the crazy comes out. And it's so much fun, but it inspires so many. It is, it, but it also inspires so many people. How many of us are writing because somebody else is writing something, and it makes us want to do it? And how many ideas come out of chat? I mean, I've got a poem, not a poem, a story that I started that I need to finish that, that came out of a silly conversation in our general chat room where somebody said that that would make a great first line. Well, I'm writing a story now. It's brilliant. And yeah, I, there's, there's so much to be said for, you know, having pretty much almost 24 seven access to other writers, just, just to blow off steam or to talk about an issue you're having with your writing. It's, it's amazing. And it's, it's the reason, it's the reason we set this up. Bex, you know, you, you're, a, you're a pillar of our community and it's really been great to have you on Are the you show today. Are you trying to make me cry? No, of course I'm not. Um, but you are, you are, you, you know, you're, you've put so much work into the group and this is a really I've good, I've gotten op- so much a, out of the group, but this is a really good opportunity for us to say thank you. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the incubator without you. Um, yeah. Things are quiet when I'm having a downtime and social day. It's just like all of a sudden things were weird. Yeah. 
We actually had an almost empty review queue for a little while there where it was not doing it, It's picked up again, but for a little while there, we actually had an almost empty review queue because I wasn't reading stuff and things were stalling and nobody was doing anything. But yeah. I feel, I feel a part of things. I feel important. And that's especially considering how much my health destroyed my mental state. You guys have put it back together again. I feel like I have people who care where I am. More than I me, mean, my husband, of course. I have a husband, he cares. But I feel like I have something more every day, a reason to get out of bed every day. Well, I think we all do. You know, I, I feel that way about our community. Um, it, it means absolutely the world to me. Yeah, it's um, a slice of home on the internet, isn't it? I think also that the more success that our members have, because I think we have a lot of members right now that are really getting a lot of successes. We've got a lot of people that are saying, hey, I got my first acceptance. I got my second acceptance. I got my third acceptance. I got my first pro acceptance. We've got a lot of that going on right now. And I think the more that happens, the more people are going to be interested in what we have to offer. And I think also the more we're going to be able to offer to new people because we're building our skills here. And the more skills we have, the more we can share our experience with other people. Okay, well, I, I think that's a, a good note to end the show on. Um, thank you for listening. Consider all this as a, an absolutely open invitation to join the incubator. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from Jazz. Bye-bye. Goodbye from Bex. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to my babble. And it's goodbye from me, Damien J. Clay. Goodbye. I think you really need to include that stuff in the office. Oh, that's so being included. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I will never speak to you again if you. I'm telling you, it's going in, so stop speaking to me now. <laughs>